All right, so as promised, here we go. He is back with us again. He is none other than David Alter. You see him online, on Twitter, talking about the Leafs all the time, covering the Toronto Maple Leafs. David, what do you think about last night? You look at the Toronto Maple Leafs. Jack Campbell breaks the record. Ten wins in a row. Felix Potvin was talking about it. But the thing to me, the most important thing, was after the game was finished. The way his teammates embraced him, were so happy for him. The quotes from Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, it was, uh, it's magical. It's something special. And, you know, in a year where things have gone so wrong, you know, with so many other things, to see something like this, it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I would, uh, I would agree. I mean, it's really been a rallying point. I think, you know, this year is kind of weird. It really is. Everyone's kind of dealing with some sort of uh, tough time with the pandemic and whatnot, that anytime you can find some real joy and enthusiasm, you rally behind it. And I think, uh, I think someone like Jack Campbell, who's had to battle his entire career, has kind of been emblematic of, of everyone trying to get through their issues and try to break through and succeed in life and so i think leafs really rallied around that i got a first sense of of what jack campbell meant to the team when he picked up that shutout in edmonton uh which i believe was his third game his third win when he came back after missing a month we didn't know at the time we wouldn't see him for another three weeks but uh they just you could just hear in the building them the collective roar as they as they surrounded him and swarmed him, and that was the first time I really got the sense that there was something special between Jack Campbell and the rest of the Maple Leafs. So um, it just continues on. Uh, the run he's been on has been crazy. When you think about it, the Leafs have just finished their 40th game, and he's played in 25% of the games that have accounted for 10 wins. So... Um, it, it really has been something to see, and um, it, it's 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 truly the spirit of this team right now uh, as they they try and push through here for the final month of the season. Now I got to ask the question: you know, every good story has a story that has something bad attached to it. Obviously, the the bad part about this is Freddie Anderson and his health. Um, obviously, we don't get any updates other than he's seen more doctors and had more appointments. Um, in your opinion, you know, and this is the question that's been asked to uh, Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas, is Freddie Anderson's season over? Uh, and they keep saying, no, it's not, not by a long shot, he's going to be back. Um, but no one seems to ask, you know, is his regular season over? I think is the more precise question you might want to ask and, and see what the answer is there. And I wonder, for your perspective, do you see Freddie Anderson coming back? And I'll add the second part to that. When he does come back, is it his crease to win back where Jack Campbell is on a roll? And really, it's a, a feel-good story, a, a magical run. Everything you want to attach to, it's everything you want a team to have going into the playoffs is what they're experiencing right now. Those are a couple of great questions. And the first question I've been doing a lot of digging on in the last 24 hours. Uh, because, obviously... Uh, the, the lack of facts makes any reporter kind of dig into what's going on. So you start thinking and theorizing all different kinds of possibilities as to what's been going around. So I've been I've been digging around, uh, and here's what I've kind of uncovered uh, without real confirmation as to what's going on. But you're not going to see any update on Frederick Anderson 
until after the trade deadline or once the Leafs pull off a trade and they need his cap space. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Is um, Right now, the way the Leafs are pressed up against the cap is they have approximately, I don't know, like 700K in space that any sort of trade would require some sort of money in and money out situation. Now, if the Leafs put Frederick Anderson on long-term injured reserve and effectively ended his regular season, that number would turn into $5 million that they could use to exceed the cap and, and not really have those same kind of concerns. Now, here's the problem with that. If you go through the trade deadline between now here and you can't get this deal done, then it doesn't make sense to put Frederick Anderson on LTI because then you've effectively uh, shelled an asset that you can use and and you didn't make this trade happen, so now you can't use him for the rest of the regular season. However, if you get the deal done, you can essentially acquire said player and at the same time put Frederick Anderson on long-term injured reserve and uh, and then at least you know, well, we acquired this player and now we can't use Freddie for the rest of the regular season. But if we don't if you don't need that space, you don't make that move because you can't undo the LTI. So now, I have a, a just one question on that. Then the LTIR yeah. is it not retroactive to when he would have been injured? Could they not backdate it a certain amount of days, or is that not possible? I know they do that in baseball. I don't remember how it works exactly with the NHL. It, does, it, it, it doesn't matter because after the deadline, like that would make sense if the Leafs had more flexibility okay. with the ten days and twenty-four days. But that's not the issue because if you're putting Frederick Anderson on LTI, it's because you're acquiring the money needed. Yeah, you're using the space. Right. So. Even if it's been more than 24 days and he's eligible to come off, they're not going to do it because they'll be over the cap, and yeah. they can't. So you're effectively saying you're not using Anderson for the rest of the regular season. So I guess so. So 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 basically, so basically, what happens is, say, and I'm I'm just hypothesizing. I don't know any of this for sure, but say the Leafs have a chance between now and whatever the deadline to acquire a $4 million player that they otherwise wouldn't have cap space for. The Leafs are not going to put Frederick Anderson on LTI now and then risk not having him for days where they may need him unless they can make that trade happen. So that's why there's no movement on that. So they're waiting for clarity on what's going to happen with their roster in between now and the deadline before making any sort of roster adjustments that would be necessary in order for, for them to make said moves. All right. No, that, that makes 100% sense. The only, I guess, fly in the ointment there for that whole situation, if you do acquire a player, you put Freddie on LTIR. I, a lot of people are saying this. So, I mean, you know, that looks to be something that, you know, is common knowledge without being common knowledge, so to speak. Um, right. But you look at the Jack Campbell situation with his injury and the way that they're limiting his minutes and, you know, bringing him along. Does that mean the Leafs have, I wouldn't say more confidence. I would say, you know, Intel, the fact that they know that Jack Campbell would be able to finish out the season, or would that lead you to believe David, that there is a goaltender that they have their eyes on that they're going to use to work with Jack Campbell in that capacity if they get the deal done for the forward they want or whatever player it is and they would have another goaltender as a fallback plan 
to ride with Jack Campbell because I, I know Hutchinson hasn't been, you know been the worst, but I mean, you know, I think they would want a better option, you know, for one A one B going down the stretch. I know that they've looked at other teams for potential second and third stringers just to add some depth, and that could still be something that's at play if they have the space for it, depending on other moves that they have to make. But they're waiting for clarity on on where things are going to move in terms of trades before they can really make all these other moves. So, so I do think that Hutchinson's performance over the last little while has given them confidence where if they need to spot him in in place when Campbell can't play, and given where they are in the standings, they can pull that off because the the end goal is the playoffs, and yeah. they're gonna they're gonna do everything they can to maximize their situation for the postseason, where it really matters. Because at this point, there's no doubt about them making the playoffs. Like there's enough separation. There's seven points between them and second place, and there's even more between them and the playoffs with so few games remaining that they're pretty comfortable in that spot. That Anything that they do right now is going to be in service of the postseason, whether it's depth at the goaltending position. It's not as high of a priority as it might have been, but I do think if there's a deal to be made to go for it and they need that space, then there is a situation for them where they can put Anderson on the long-term injured reserve and, and take full advantage of that extra space. I just feel that they haven't done it yet because they don't want to show their hand to other teams knowing that, well, well, you have all this space, so give us your first first round pick then. Like I, I, I think there's a lot of posturing and, and poker that's involved with it as well. Um, that that things are being kept very tight lipped uh, about the situation and uh, all you have to do is kind of read between the lines to kind of see what's going on here. No, definitely. I mean, like I said, it's common knowledge without being common knowledge. Um, right. You look at the situation cap-wise as well. Do you think the Leafs are also waiting, I wouldn't say till the very last minute, but you know, I, I think the perfect target in my mind would be after Saturday's game um, for them to make a move. Uh, the reason I say that, it gets you close to the trade deadline, which is Monday. You have all Sunday to work on a deal or whatever deals you're doing. Maybe prices drop a little bit. But the other interesting thing is this year, everyone's so hyper-focused on the cap. The other thing is Every day that you wait is another bit of savings towards whatever player you're acquiring because that much more of their number is eaten by the team that they're currently with. So, you know, I think with right. if you look at Taylor Hall, I think it's $70,000 a day. So, I mean, if you waited until Sunday to get that deal done for a Taylor Hall, you're saving yourself, you know, maybe a couple hundred thousand or a couple, yeah, a couple hundred thousand dollars, which again, you know, doesn't sound like a whole heck of a lot, but where every dime counts right now. That definitely could be a thing. And where teams are retaining, you look at what uh, New Jersey just did for the Islanders. They're 50% on each player. You know, that shows you how much is going into the thought and the cap process. So I think that might be another thing where guys like Brandon Pridham and Kyle Dubas are such capologists. I think that's another, you know, bit of their formula they're probably working with. There's a little bit of that, but... The thing about this salary cap, and trust me, ever since it came into effect in 2006, I've had to refer back to Capital just to see what is and what isn't allowed, just to make sure I understand every nuance of it. And while that's true for teams that are not in LTIR, 
teams that are in LTIR, the daily cap hit makes no difference at that point. Okay. Because once you once you dip into long term injured reserves, so say in Anderson's case, if they go into that, then their their effective salary cap is whatever their cap is plus that space, and that's it on a daily basis. The daily cap accrual is for teams that are saving while they're under the cap without dipping into LTI. I, I think so what what to, I'm to meaning exceed the space. Oh yeah, but I think what I'm meaning is like. If you're going after a player like Taylor Hall, you know his overall end of the cap number is lower than it would be at the beginning of the season. Um, you know the remainder of the days you wait. So if you acquired Taylor Hall at the first of the season, you'd be on the ticket for his full eight million. Where I guess yeah. now it'd be like one. I think it's like two something left now. Right, but but if the Leafs are in LTIR, his daily cap hit makes no difference at that point. Okay. So it, it, look, it's it, it, it makes a difference. If they don't exercise LTIR, you're like that's a hundred percent true. But their daily cap accrual is so little that they would still have to do some money out deals in order to acquire someone like that. Well, that's the so, other question so, I want to ask you too: is, is Sheldon Keefe and and Kyle Dubas also? Uh, it was referenced, I think, by Elliot Friedman. They don't want to take anyone off this roster. Is, is the move there. They're hoping to make deals where they don't have to take away from what they already have. So everybody throwing Kerfoot right. in deals kind of, you know, poo-poos that, which just further fuels what you're talking about, about Freddie Anderson going on there. And I mean, they're dropping the, the breadcrumbs out of Hansel and Gretel, you know, for us to follow and pick up. And that was one that was dropped to me. And I was like, oh, well, if you're not taking anything away, how are you exactly adding here? Prospects and picks. No, That's definitely prospect. Really I just mean cap wise, right? Because yeah. everybody's saying if they want to acquire right. anyone, you got to fire Kerfoot out the door to make the money in, money out work. So that just furthers right. your point of, you know, you wait till the last minute, put Frederick Anderson on LTIR. There's your cap space, right. and you move forward from there. But that, you know, like right. I said, and, the, the, but, but, yeah, and, and, and to, to add to my point, the reason why I don't think that's happened yet is because if they don't consummate any deal, yep. then they don't want to put Anderson on LTI because then they don't have his services. Like, they, they put him there effectively for nothing. And, yeah, he's been away for two weeks, and there's 10 days, 20. There's 24 days, 10 games before they can effectively put him back on. But then you don't have him back for those days. So yeah. you wouldn't make that move. Unless so, you know. Unless you know, so so that's why the Leafs are in a little bit of a holding pattern. They're they're figuring stuff out, and if they come to this deal where they find an optimal situation where they don't have to take anyone off their roster and they can add to their lineup, then their effective move is putting Anderson on LTI, which would create the effective five million. In, in players that they could bring, not their daily hit or whatever. You don't look at that point. At that point, you're just looking at what that player makes annually and um, and so that they can add effectively $5 million in annual, in AAV players uh, beyond the cap, which is what, which is what they could effectively do without losing anyone on their roster or figuring out a money in, money out situation. So I think right now it's just poker and they're waiting for the trade partners to come to them and make a deal. And then at that point, they'll make the appropriate roster decisions necessary, a la Anderson, before being able to execute that. So, 
it's funny because this was the year where these teams, like teams like Tampa, are definitely taking advantage. Teams that were looking to perhaps know that players would need surgery or whatever. There's no cap in the playoffs, and it's it's always been the case. And um, and this has been the year where teams can definitely take so much advantage of it because the season's so short. Yeah, and you can get guys back, and yeah, we we all look at the Kucherov one, and you know, and. It's almost a wink, wink, you know, that he, we know he's going to be 100% ready to go for the playoffs, but could he have came back earlier? Probably so, but who knows? Not doctors, yeah. but. And it's, it's only an issue this year because of how short the season yeah. is. Like, no one wants to lose a player for 82 games. No. Or, or like, a uh, full season, but this is effectively two thirds a season, even shorter when you look at, like, how many days the, the games are compressed in, that effectively you can easily. You know, when you're injured, you're injured. If a doctor says you're hurt, it's up to the player at that point to decide whether they want to play or not. But if you're not cleared, then you can effectively use that discretion and and adjust the cap to your advantage. It's always been the case, and teams are always going to look to take advantage of that because if you if you know you're effectively in the playoffs, why not maximize your situation for the postseason when the cap doesn't matter? Now, I'll ask this question. Obviously, uh, you can put Freddie there on the LTIR. Um, do you see the Leafs trading for one of those contracts out of like a David Clarkson? Um, you know, we had Yoffrey Lupul as well. Um, do I don't. No? I, 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 really, I really don't unless they find a trade partner that is insanely cash-strapped or an uninsured contract where, where there's a team looking for some sort of bottom-line relief, like from, their, like from an accounting standpoint. But from a competitive standpoint, I don't see teams doing it because if you're if you're if you're a buyer and you have an LTI contract, you're using it. Plain oh, and yeah. simple. Yeah. Now maybe maybe you find a buyer who's looking to to sell it, but then at that point, that, at that point, there's a lot of telephone conferencing to make sure if you're making that trade, you have to know another trade is happening. And and you have to make sure they're all done simultaneously, and it gets really tricky at that point. I know that that was something that they were kind of exploring early on with the situation, but I think I think a lot of teams have wised up to the fact that LTI space is such a luxury this season, and so the asking price is going to be astronomical for those, unless it's a team that has an uninsured LTI, which there are not that many of, because a lot of these contracts are insured. So it's not really affecting the bottom line too much. And then at that point, at that point, it could be a financial stress relief. But other than that, I just don't see it happening. No, well, you know, as Leaf fans and people that talk about the Leafs, you got to look at every avenue. And for right now, where we're not getting many uh, tidbits of anything of what's going to happen with the Toronto Maple Leafs around the deadline, you got to turn over every single rock you think in your mind and see what might be underneath. And I'll ask you this. There's a lot of names attached to Leafs. One of them moved last night in Palmieri. Um, you look at guys like Taylor Hall, obviously. Um, you hear about guys like John Merrill, uh, Savard. Um, for you, what is one name that stands out and you're like, you know what, that is a name that I've heard from multiple different people. You know, not just one that you see, you know, fans throwing about, but one that just keeps getting brought up, brought up, brought up, and makes the most sense. And I'll, I'll add to that because, like I always do, Kyle Dubas doesn't seem to make the popular moves or the moves that everybody say you know that are on the table. 
everything he's done so far have been guys that nobody was talking about going to Leafs. Look at Muzzin. Uh, I look at Clifford. I look at uh, Jack Campbell. Um, even Alex Galchenyuk this season. You know, those were things that nobody thought was going to materialize to the Leafs. And there it was. So I'm wondering for you, is there anything you're hearing or anybody you think um, that is going to be a Toronto Maple Leaf come trade deadline day? The one I kept hearing a lot of, not as much, but then it's perked up in the last little bit, is Nick Foligno. That's the one I think kind of that, that I've been hearing a lot about and makes the most sense, especially with this whole LTI stuff, because if they can pull off that kind of trade, uh, they add depth to the left wing, which they need, uh, and it's a cap hit that with LTI they can they can easily acquire an expiring contract that they don't have to worry about anything uh, beyond the season in terms of protection. So it's a perfect rental for them. I think it just I think it just matters on if the asking what the asking price is, where where it ends up being at the trade deadline. And if the Blue Jackets effectively have decided that they're out of the running for a run. So I think that's what's holding up a lot of things right now. But I think that's the one that I keep hearing about. And 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 based on a lot of the intel that I've been able to just kind of rationalize based on cap numbers, based on how it would be done, based on what's taking a little while, why it's quiet, I think that's the one that's going to happen. Well, I'll add to this question then. Uh, if Nick Foligno comes to the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, is he coming with another Columbus Blue Jacket for the back end in Savard? Uh, I don't know if the numbers work. I don't have them in front of me. No, no I don't think so. No? Um, I think it's one or the other. The numbers really do not work there. Um, I think, I, I, and I... I I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think that one kind of makes sense for them. Everything I've gathered about the Leafs is that they really like their depth at B. That if someone has to move up, that they're comfortable in that spot. So, where with forwards, it, it gets a little bit dicey, and you've seen that in the regular season how much adjusting the teams have had to do, or the the Leafs have had to do up front, where the defense has just been rock solid, the same the same three pairs pretty much all year. So uh, I I don't see them rocking the apple cart and, and selling too much there where like a left winger that can add to the depth at a side that, that they know. The other thing too with Felino is I believe he's got a no trade. So uh, part of it is him having to agree to go. And that could be tough because he's, he, not, not, not that he wouldn't want to necessarily jump at the opportunity, but, I mean, there is seven days of quarantine you have to figure out as well, and there's also a comfort level with the franchise. So there's a lot of things. And for the Blue Jackets, who, you know, they they always run that risk of telling their fan base that no one kind of wants to stick around in Columbus. So I think that there's that stigma as well like with issues that could hold things up. But I, I don't see from a cap standpoint of them getting both. Definitely not. But I mean, stranger things have happened, but I just, I don't see it. Now, obviously, you know, like you said, getting him to waive the no trade. The other part of it is, and you talked about the, the fan base in Columbus. Um, this one might be a little bit easier to sell where he's on an expiring deal. He's their captain. Um, you know, the, I think it was put out that the spiritual bond between them and the Felino and the Columbus Blue Jackets is quite strong. And, you know, the feeling would be that if they did trade him to a contender, it'd be a la like a Doug Waite back in the day where he would just resign 
or come back to, you know, to whatever team. And it's possible that that makes it a little bit easier to swallow for fans, maybe in Columbus. Um, Also, I mean, if you're a fan of the Columbus Blue Jackets, would you not want to see them get an asset for a guy that could potentially walk away? Not that he would, but you never know, you know, free agents get lured to different things all the time. So you never know what could happen there. Um, the reason oh, why here's I br- the other thing. Yep, here's ahead. the other thing. There's a lot of there's a lot of we don't know what's happening with the Blue Jackets. So we yeah. don't know what's happening with John Tortorella beyond this season. There's a lot of question marks there. Um, so it could be a pure fire sale in that regard. But at the same time, you're right. There's um, there was that year where the Blue Jackets told their fan base they went for it and didn't let any of their rentals go into Zingle and. Or they acquired guys, but they didn't, uh, you know, Panarin was a free agent, Bobrovsky was a free agent. They were, they they didn't let them go because they told their fan base they were going to go for it. And, um, you know, I think now the fan base there has seen both sides of it. That if you can rationalize with your, your hardcore fan base is that, you know, down the road a Doug Waite situation could be could be possible then yeah you could sell it that way but again there, there's so much uncertainty with with the summer that no one knows what's happening like that you never know as a free agent what can get thrown your way and situations can change immediately oh, for for 100 that's what that's why i mean like you want you don't want something to walk away for nothing and i mean the attachment is there we all love our players for whatever team you cheer for but you know sometimes you know, you got to put the business before. Do you do you want to make sure your team recoups assets if you're on the business side of it, and you know, further the team down the line, opposed to holding on to a guy that maybe, like you just said, walk away in the summer because you never know what happens in the summertime. Um, the reason why I keep bringing up D for the Toronto Maple Leafs, we talked about this a few weeks ago when you were on. Um, you know, I, I understand what everybody's saying about you know the continuity throughout the forward lines, and you know, one guy goes down, it's a little bit harder to replace. I think Alchenia kind of you know made that a little bit easier. I mean, with William Nylander out last night, it did look a little disjointed. But I look at the defense and I say, you know, if you lose a Muzzin or if you lose a um, a Riley or a Brody or even a Hall at this point, you know, it's a big hole. And I, I don't exactly feel the most comfortable with Martin Marincin in there. And you don't know what you have in Sandine and Ligren or Mac Hollowell. Um, but, I mean, if they're confident in that and they, they like what they've seen, then obviously... We should rest on that, but I, I do think in my heart of hearts that they will try to acquire at least a depth defenseman, you know, maybe another, uh, you know, 6'7 kind of guy to play down with Dermot or Bogosian, you know, or just so one of those guys can move up if something does happen. Um, but I wonder what your opinion is on that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it was. I think that they, they're really high on Sandine. I think there was some... Not disappointment, but I really did think that they thought that there would be injuries at D that someone like Sandine and and even uh, even Lettinen before him were going to get opportunities. And to their credit, they stayed healthy, so they didn't really they didn't really have to do anything in terms of adjustments. And then Sandine got hurt with the Martins, so. So it's just been a lot of bad luck. But they they are really high on someone like Sandine. And uh, I think that they, they're very comfortable, given the experience he had at the pro level with the Leafs last year, that he could step in and be a serviceable guy if other people need to move up the lineup and they have to make adjustments there. And yeah, I mean, we saw how invaluable Jake Muzzin was last season when he got hurt in the playoffs, and, and they were kind of all over the place there. But 
I think they did address that with someone like Brody because that was a different kind of defenseman than what they had last uh, last year in in Tyson Berry. So I think that they they've addressed some of that. That unless you lose both of them, then then it gets really dicey. But I mean, any team that loses two of their top defensemen are, are going to go through their troubles, and I don't think anyone's just necessarily going to shore up to shore up to mortgage the future on a hypothetical. So, so I I just they they may do it if if there's a situation where they can add to their depth, sure. I just I don't know if it's necessarily a priority for them at this point. I do think that they like the spirit of the team right now, um, and that if if they do acquire anyone, it's going to be it's going to be someone that addresses an immediate need and someone who can really bolster the lineup. And uh, I think Galchenyuk's been great in this in this short little stint here, but I don't think you can go wrong by having another strong. Uh, cal- high caliber top six left winger, uh, and I think I think Felino hits that that perfectly. So just to to poo poo this one, um, you don't see Taylor Hall becoming a Toronto Maple Leaf before Monday. Eh? There's I don't see space for it. Think about all the parameters you're talking about. Oh yeah, and how they would be able to do it. Uh, I, I like you don't want to lose a roster player. You don't have the space. Yeah, they can retain salary, sure, but even then, I just I don't I don't think it's worth it for them for what it would it would take. Uh, I just I don't see I just I don't see it. It's possible. I mean, look, these are all possible situations, and things can change on a dime. Uh, I just I think I think um, for what they're looking for, I think someone like Felino hits the mark a little bit more in terms of what they're looking for. Not necessarily saying he's the better player. I oh, just no, no, think definitely. in terms of, I, I just think in terms of what they're looking for and what, and what the team would be willing to part with. I think that's the, I think that's where things kind of make the most sense. Well, you look at a line and just imagine, you know, rolling out Kerfoot, Hyman and Felino. You know that's that's uh, that's a bring your lunch pail to work line right there, and I wouldn't want to go against it if you're playing in the playoffs. Plus, you have the veteran savvy of guys like Thornton and Spets in the lineup as well. Um, I look at this squad and I look going forward. Um, now there's an issue with William Nylander, close contact. Obviously, they're doing the tracing and the testing. Um, what is going to happen here with William Nylander? Do you have any parameters on that, and if he's going to miss a significant chunk of time here? I think it's going to depend on what we find out at five o'clock. Um, at that point, he's been tested. They should have a result on that. If there's negatives and, and the close contact is negative, I, I I don't know if he'll necessarily miss another game. I think it just depends. I think it's a situation they have to monitor closely. Obviously, uh, what's happening in Vancouver has got everyone really cognizant of of any sort of close contact or. I think it's just life. It's the way life is right now. Yeah. Um, I, I'm one of the few that travels, and uh, and you know, I go on a plane. It's it's it can be very dicey in terms of what I do to protect myself to make sure that I'm safe by the time I get home and monitoring symptoms and stuff. It's it's one of those things where if you have any slight if you have any slight doubt then you know you've got to stay home and so 
Uh, I'm actually very thankful that the Leafs do uh, rapid testing for all MLSC staff and media for every game. So it's the way that I know on a daily basis, like when I went to the game last night, I have the rapid testing and within 15 minutes, if I don't get a phone call, that means I'm negative. So, so um, they're doing everything they can in terms of keeping everybody safe there. And uh, I have no doubt that they've, they've, followed everything correctly and uh the Leafs have a lot to lose by by not by 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 not doing this the right way that i think it's just prudent that they 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 know that they've been doing all the right measures and not one person wants to ruin it for everybody else so I, i think um i don't i don't see this turning into another vancouver situation but We'll find out later when when um, the NHL puts out its COVID nineteen list at, at five PM Eastern every day, and and see if he's still on it or not. So if William Nylander does indeed end up on that list, he was at practice yesterday morning. Um, they're saying there wasn't enough time for it to be contagious and to, to spread throughout the team. Do you think, with everybody being hypersensitive, and this is just spitballing here, so whatever we say here it holds no merit, but do you think that they would hold the rest of the Leafs back and possibly the Montreal Canadiens? as well what do you mean by that exactly hold them back from playing uh, from playing uh, and just do testing throughout both teams to make sure that everybody does indeed come back negative they, they t- all the teams test every day every day okay so so i mean it, it's part of the return to play protocols like every team gets tested and um and so i think what's happened here is beyond the testing they learned something, and so now, out of an abundance of caution, they've isolated William Nylander. And and they'll just continue to wait for those tests. And as long as those tests stay negative, then everything will be fine. So something obviously happened where Nylander felt he was in close contact that he disclosed it to the team after just to make sure, like being super aware that he wasn't doing anything to that, that could put his team at risk. So, so they're confident in it, and the, the teams don't even the team does testing every day, and so they'll they'll continue to wait that out. And and um, right now, Nylander's on that list as a close contact, not as someone who's who's tested positive. That's an important distingu- distinction. Uh, anyone who's on that list, it could be for any reason, whether they're positive or there's close contact and there's quarantine from close contact, but they haven't necessarily tested positive. So that's that's Nylander's situation right now, and that's what the Leafs are waiting on. Well, hopefully we get good news at 5 o'clock, and hopefully we get some good news around the trade deadline. I, I want to thank you very much for giving me some of your time for, uh, for this here, and maybe uh, next week, once everything shakes out, we can look at some lines and see exactly what's happening with the Maple Leafs, and hopefully everybody is uh, healthy and ready to rock and roll for a good stretch run. Yeah, you got it. Thanks again for having me on. No problem, David. I appreciate your time, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. David Alter, Maple Leafs beat reporter, breaking down the trade deadline there, talking about Freddie Anderson and many other topics. All right, you know what it is. This is Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk.